episode 91 of Welcome to Level 7. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episode 17, Melinda. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, and welcome to Level 7. I'm Agent Ben Avery, and I've been joined with my fellow agent who is this week a field agent out in the field, Agent Dandy Daniel Butcher. Say hello, Dandy Daniel Butcher. Hello, Dandy Daniel Butcher. Yes. (laughs) You know, Ben, sometimes, even though I'm a high-ranking agent, I do have to go out into the field to supervise operations. It's true, and you are patched in through our special communications device, sometimes known as a phone, (laughs) because we don't want to have to pay $30 for internet or something like that, right? Something crazy like that. But here's the good thing. This is Shield Tech, so it's solid and encrypted. I feel comfortable speaking with you about... Uh, matters that might require a confidential touch. But since we're going to be putting it online tomorrow anyway for everyone to see, like some sort of geeky wiki leak, you know what I mean. It's going out everywhere tomorrow, so we don't have to stay encrypted. Uh, But you're going to sound encrypted. (laughs) So I can live with it if you can. Can you? I'm living with it. Then let's let's live with it and let's let's get on with it then. So uh, first, we just have one, well, one or two bits of news for our intelligence report. Shield intelligence report. Two items to discuss. Item number one: Daredevil dropped. Too bad it's not any good. Well, you'd know, since I only had time to review one case file before hitting the field. Yeah, so here we are, and you've seen one episode. I've seen ten. I mean, it's Tuesday after it dropped. I've I've seen ten. I'll probably watch another one tonight while I'm uh, uploading this episode, but um, I haven't finished yet myself, and... Yeah, this is it's going to be interesting how we approach the discussion here. Uh, we've gotten some emails, a couple emails about the episodes that have that have been posted, and I have been well. And this is the way you and I are doing this. We're getting an instant reaction from Daniel and Ben for every episode, so we're calling in right after we've seen it, and then as we record, we'll be watching the episodes again so they're fresh. And so that's why I wanted to make sure we had instant reaction before we had it. You know, I don't want to talk about episode one. And then when I when I talk about episode one, I've already seen episode 13. So this kind of gets us a little bit of that instant reaction and, and excitement from those those initial viewings. So Daniel has called in one time <laughs> and I have called in 10. So that's where we're at right now. Yo. 
I was trying to convince Daniel that it, that it wouldn't be any good, that it wasn't any good, because you know, I wanted to make him feel better, but that didn't work. Yeah, but when somebody in our group then made a comment that it wasn't any good, <laughs> and they were not joking about it, you immediately had to turn tail. Yeah, yeah. I think it was pretty self. I mean, I, I think it was pretty evident what I was trying to do. But anyway, Daniel, uh, you've seen your one episode. I've seen that first episode too, and I'm not sure when we're going to actually be able to record about it. And I'm not sure the best way to do it. Still, uh, I want to talk about it now. Now, Daniel. Well, and it's entirely possible we'll talk about it sooner than we were originally planning. Yeah, but um, just but just rest assured. That content will be coming. It is coming. Coming to you in our regular feed. It'll be in our regular feed. It will not be anything weird or different. The only thing that might be weird about it is it might be in the summer. But what's good about that is then we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first half of season one, Agent Carter all together, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. second half of season two, I mean season two, and then Daredevil like all together. They all drop together week after week after week in the summer. It just means that's a long wait. And that's the one thing that's just really bugging me about waiting until summer is that that's a long wait. I mean, plus we got Avengers thrown in there. Don't forget Ant-Man. Uh, well, Ant-Man is at the end of summer, though. I'm saying yeah, Avengers, I, I Avengers is coming middle. up here before the season is over. So we'll we'll figure something out. But if you do want to get in your feedback about episode one... Uh, sooner will be better than later. And if you would just make sure in your subject line, you just let us know uh, in your in your message to us what what episode you're talking about. Or if you say you're talking about the whole series, let us know, and we'll save that for later in the maybe in a recap episode or something like that. So uh, the other news is the Ant Man trailer has been released, the second full length Ant Man trailer. Uh, Daniel. I think I said last week I wasn't interested in watching anything more about anything. I've remained true to that about Age of Ultron. I have not watched any of those scenes that have been released since, you know, actually in a, in, in a couple weeks now. I did not remain true to that with Ant-Man, though. I watched that trailer, and I, what's your initial reaction to that Ant-Man trailer that they just released? It made me more interested in Ant-Man. But it may have had too many ants. You know, Ant-Man is a, a character that I'm actually, I have a little bit of an attachment to because of a comic book I got at a birthday party when I was a little, little guy. Um, and it was an Ant- Ant-Man was a guest star in Micronauts. In, and uh, I didn't know anything about Micronauts. I didn't know anything about Ant-Man. But, uh, boy, he was cool in, in what I saw. And But totally that's, that's my only connection. Watching this trailer, I just have to say... I'm excited on one hand. On the other hand, dude, they're doing they're doing the anti version of the hero. They did it with Hulk and Abomination. They did it with um, Iron Man and and uh, uh, the dude. <laughs> or uh, Ironmonger. Iron no. Monger. Uh, we'll go with that. We'll call it that and call it good. Um, you know, they didn't quite do it with Thor because it was basically Loki, you know, so it wasn't, he, he is kind of the anti-Thor, I guess, but not quite as blatant. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is 
a superhero trope that I wasn't expecting to see again in the MCU. I wasn't expecting to see the villain basically be, yes, the anti-version of the Ant-Man. So maybe they'll pull a, a you know a, the rug out from under us and, and that villain is just in the beginning of the movie and there's something else at the end or something. I don't know. But, but the trailer itself is a really fun trailer and it's looking like it's going to be a, a fun movie. So that's the job of the trailer, right? Well, and they are pushing the fun in this last trailer. Yeah, they definitely are. I think they're trying to say, hey, remember that Guardians of the Galaxy movie and the Iron Man movie that you really liked? We're kind of like that one. You laughed a lot. With the funny. Come on back. We've got a comedic actor. Yeah. We're going to have him do funny things. But also heartfelt things. Aw, and stealing stuff. Yeah, what gets me excited about it is the idea of this is a guy trying to redeem himself, it looks like, anyway. And that's a that's a fun arc to go on if, it's, if it really is a guy who is a, a thief who's trying to get back on the straight and narrow or get on to the straight and narrow. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Ant-Man. I'm, I'm, I'm team Ant-Man right now. So we were always on board with a man. I'm even more so. And I didn't need to be more so, but I am more so now. So. As long as it's got that Marvel tag in front, you know, I am on board. <laughs> that is true. All right. Until Iron Man 3 breaks out again. <laughs> so should we move into our, our mission report then? We're going to make this a little bit shorter episode. So phone batteries don't die and um, you're not, Kept up to all hours of the night in a hotel room or whatever. I don't know what you're doing. Well, again, undisclosed location. May or may not be sharing a time zone with you. But I will say this. I now understand your experience yeah. with no DVR. And it's stressful. You had commercials. You had to think quickly and write quickly. And also... could rewind, write down a quote. And also, it didn't start at 8 o'clock. It started at 9 well, if I'm, in fact, in that same time zone. If. If. Yes. Yeah, Director Fury was very specific that I needed to stay incognito. Well, you just told us where you were then. I'm in Indiana. You're yes, in, I'm, You're incognito. I am incognito. <laughs> yeah, I just did an Ernie laugh. I do not know why. It wasn't even a good one. Okay, let's move on. Let's get into the mission report. Talk about this episode. Interesting backstory stuff. So let's get going. Mission report. So the episode is about Melinda, but uh, and that's the title rather. The title is Melinda. We're going to spend time with Melinda, and we're going to find out how Melinda May ties in to Sky's B plot. Was, Which, that was a nice turn. It was. It was a really nice turn. I was not expecting it like that, and it it was good. It was good. So I'm going to quickly... We, oh, go ahead. And we do get revealed to us one of the big secrets from, what, episode two of yeah. 084, where we first hear about this thing that happened and the nickname. Well, so, I mean, this really does go back to episode one. With her being down in the 
in the dungeon area where she's doing all the paperwork and and just where, where she and, created created the red tape. Yeah, yeah. I mean this this ties back to episode one and a few different things. You know, one being Sky's mysterious past, but the other being why was Melinda May not in the field and why did it take some coaxing from Coulson to get her on the bus? In, even though she didn't, she was not willing to get off the bus. But why did it take coaxing for this? So um, it's a pretty simple story, though. We have three basic plot lines, um, and we don't realize it. But the two plot lines that are kind of apart from each other in the present day are tied together because of what's happening in the past. So. Colson and May in the past. This is their storyline. Colson and May go in. There is a powered person, as they call them now, or an indexed person, or that they are going to go after. She's got possibly has superpowers, and they go in. Things go south, and she ends up in a in a warehouse where she battles. Uh, some local militia, and then battles some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and they lose all of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents' communication. They have to think quickly. Coulson has to think quickly. He goes off plan from what S.H.I.E.L.D. tells him to do, sends May in. May goes in. She is the cavalry, and she's going to rescue those S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but they are under mind control. And as she goes in to fight the bad guys, she ends up having to fight her own people, so she gets out of there, comes across the woman that they were sent after in the first place who keeps saying, I want your pain, I want your pain, which is what the people, the men were also saying. Big fight. This woman is tough. She's strong. And Melinda May ends up taking her down. But the men are still being controlled. And who are they being controlled by? They're being controlled by a child that was in the marketplace when they initially contacted this woman. And she was hiding, and they thought that they were coming in to rescue her. It turns out this child had been turned by the Terrigen Mists and was taking control of these people. And was about to take control of Melinda. And so to save her people and to save herself, Melinda has to make the hard choice. The hard choice being put a bullet into the girl. This girl is an inhuman, which ties her into Sky's story, which we'll talk about in a moment. Do we want to talk now about Melinda's backstory here, or do you want to go through the other two parts of the of our episode and the, and then talk about the the different elements? I I think it might make sense to break them up like we are and give a little commentary. Okay. With each one of these three three things, so this to me was a big highlight of the episode, the May story, just because we got to see May be happy, may planning for a future that is definitely not the one that she had because um, this action is occurring seven years ago. Mm-hmm. May extremely happy with Andrew. Yes. Um, I mean, she is planning to be a mom. She's, she's being like, we've both been his parents, which is considering what our parents did that we liked and those things that we would change. Um, she's clearly in love with him. And looking forward to her life and future. And this event is going to shatter it and then give us the May that we know today. And it does shatter it completely. We see her at the end just detaching herself from everything, including Andrew. And 
putting herself in that hole, at, you know, in the the paperwork red tape area. Um, there's a couple things that I, on, on in some ways, this is done really well because this this is that that Darth Vader syndrome, where not quite as bad because we don't have you know a decade or two in between, but where we wrote the story in our head of what happened to turn Anakin to the dark side and become Darth Vader. We've been asking ourselves, what happened to Melinda in Bahrain? And and we finally see it. I mean, they show us everything. And so the emotional core of what happens here, of her having to kill a child, that is a situation that, ugh, I mean, it's terrible. No wonder she's just wrecked by this. No wonder she pulls away from the man who loves her and the man that she loves uh, and, and pulls away from and, the job. And pulls away from the, and pulls away from the situation in which she would have a child of her own mm-hmm. because the whole reason she was so pushy about the situation is the child. She makes it clear to Andrew. She's going in, not just for the 12 guys that have been taken. She's going in because of this kid and she calls him to get advice about how do you handle a child in the situation. And that was a nice moment too, when she called in like that. Because that's using him for his strengths as well, and that was a nice moment between the two of them. And so we don't, we haven't seen much of him. We haven't seen anything of her and him together doing well until this episode. But what little they do show us does give us a sense of loss in her life. Well, and it's painful because he makes the comment, you know, you always come home. And despite the fact that she's physically returning to him, she really doesn't come home. She's not the same Melinda as before Brain. And and that Melinda is never going to come back. Unless, you know, perhaps something will happen in the future that will allow her to. But, uh, yeah, at the moment. That's a possibility. I mean, they are bringing... uh, They've brought Drew and Andrew into the... The cast, I mean, they, they could easily call on him any time to have him, you know, rekindle or whatever. Um, there's a couple other things. One thing I found interesting was that the agent that Melinda May was going in that we knew by name was named Hart. And so I found that uh, it's a nice little subtle thing. I don't, I don't think too many things like this happened by accident that she's going in to rescue heart and you know she's going in to basically um, lose her own heart she's losing her own emotional core she's losing her own soul her heart is being crushed by what she has to do in going in to rescue a man named heart I, I find that interesting I don't know if it's maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it but that's one of those things. The other thing is that this is the part that we get our half-point twist, our 30-minute twist. May goes in and finds out that Hart has been taken over. He is under mind control, and so has everyone else. This is a great commercial break, Daniel. This is a great half-point twist. And then we come back from the commercial and it's total anticlimax. It's basically, oh man, I'm surrounded. I'll just go through this door and close it. 
Well, but as, as far as the twist goes, because she we've already heard the conversation with O'Brien, I didn't find it that twisty. As far as twists go, it had a minimum impact for me because we already knew from his, you know, leave us alone comment that, well, something was up. Something so was up, but it, we weren't expecting all of the S.H.I.E.L.D. team to rise up to fight her. Really? You didn't really expect it? I didn't expect the whole entire S.H.I.E.L.D. team who was already inside. I expected them to be dead. Well, but Colton may ask the question, you know, did they take themselves out? Which leads you to believe that, uh, at least led me to believe, that uh, there were some mind control situations going on there. No, not me. So I, w- I really wasn't that shocked. Uh, there's been much bigger twists for me than this one. This was a good commercial break and an anti-climax. That's, that's my, my, my commentary there. It just bleh. I mean, there was still good stuff. We had a good, nice, good fight scene out of this with her and, and Eve, Eve Belyakov, whatever her name is. Um, and then the final thing is I was, this totally did not even track with me until he said it, but that's where, you know, he brings Melinda out and she says, I couldn't save her. And he, he gives the line. You remember what I said to you in Bahrain? You have to let the girl go. Let the girl go. You did good. He says, this is, this was a nice payoff too. I, I completely forgot about that line. And when he said that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He had to say that. Again, this you know, telling backstory thing where you have things you have to hit uh, that's been written for you, in, in this case, you know, 20 episodes ago. But it, it was nice. It worked nice. It felt right. All right. Oh, one more note. This bugged me, and it shouldn't have. But one shot brings them in. They've got men with machine guns in there and fighty and all that kind of thing. So they hear one shot, and then everyone runs in, even the guys who have just been warned that it's a bioweapon that's been that's gone off in there. Well, once, once you hear a shot, you know that quarantine's broken. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I, I just, I, I just think you know, one shot might be oh, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe one shot was enough. But I just felt like oh man, that's just really quick for them to decide. Oh, it's okay. We'll go in. Colson's going to go in, even though you know he's expecting to hear that kind of stuff, right? That's why he sent in Melinda alone. He's expecting her to go in and come out, but they hear one shot, and then he goes in with everybody. A minor thing, but it's something that kind of bugged me. So anything more to say about Melinda? No, I I like Melinda stuff. Good character stuff. Nice payoffs that we've been building for over a season and a half off. Do you want to go to the, uh, you want to go to Pointy Shield first? Or do you want to go to um, Afterlife? No. Let's do Pointy Shield just you know what? I'm going to change my mind. Let's do Afterlife because of the tie-in. Okay. So basically, in the Afterlife plotline, you've got Sky and her mom 
She doesn't know it's her mom yet, but her mom is training her to use her powers, and she uses them well. She causes an avalanche, and then she finds out from Lincoln that mom is in charge, and she doesn't train anybody. So meanwhile, Raina is dealing with um, Lincoln and Gordon, and they're both kind of trying to coach her. Um, Gordon doesn't like that Lincoln is there doing coaching because, you know, Lincoln can, can blend into regular society. Gordon can't. So Gordon thinks he can actually, um, nicely help her and help her better. She believes that her only gift is to be the scary monster under the bed. But Gordon believes that you are beautiful and you will have a power that will show itself. And, like I said, he can relate to her because he's lost his eyes. The problem is uh, Sky can't be revealed as mom's daughter. And so mom has been trying to keep it a secret from her. But when Sky starts talking about all the stuff that happened with all of her foster homes and everything, mom feels bad and ends up revealing herself to Sky, saying, you know, I know your birthday. I know you, didn't, you don't know your birthday. You don't even know how old you are. Well, July 2nd. That's when you were born. There's a tearful reunion. And from there, uh, her mother says, you can't tell anyone. You can't let anyone know because bad things happen. We have rules. And so we find out why we have the rules. And so as we are watching all of the Melinda May stuff play out, where she's revealing, where, where she fights the woman, the woman dies, but the men are still under control, and they're under control by the little girl – we find out that that happened under mom's watch and they couldn't save the girl. They should have been able to go in, get the girl and help her. But instead shield killed the girl. And we actually then get to see, uh, Gordon and mom standing there in Bahrain. And so basically they have these rules in place. And part of the problem is moms make choices for their daughters and will do anything for their daughters and so she is afraid that um, her her relationship with her daughter will cause other people to doubt her objectivity then we find out that Sky uh, has to go and have dinner with dad and mom <laughs> mom and dad and they go to sit down with Cal. Cal gives some daisies to Daisy. And they have that one dinner. They start talking about birthdays. Sky looks happy. Lincoln walks in and realizes that Raina has described the scene to him from one of her dreams. So it's quite possible that she doesn't just have little you know, porcupine thorny things. She might dream the future. She might be, Daniel, and this is my first moment of commentary for this conversation about this section. Raina might be clairvoyant. <laughs> Which is, of course, ironic since she used to work for a non-clairvoyant clairvoyant. Exactly. This is a really interesting twist and something that, okay, you know... It, Let's run with this. Let's work with this. What are they going to do with Raina? So far, everything they've done with her has been more interesting than we had before when she was just 
the girl in the flower dress. And she's got some emotional character moments here because, yeah, she, uh, Sky got everything. And what did Raina get? Thorns. Although I don't know why they keep A calling them thorns. world. You know, the, the dream thing, though, mm-hmm. that does, you know, when we think about uh, her comments about the dreams of being chased, now that we've seen this first route, the dream of Sky's happy reunion fulfilled, mm-hmm. how long before Reyna is chased? Not I mean, long. I think it's going to happen. It'll happen before the end of this season, I think. But yeah, it I will think happen. It Otherwise, I mean, if they wait too long on stuff like that, it gets forgotten and and it loses impact. So unless they're trying to set up something like Babylon 5 where they had a prophecy in, you know, season one that was paid off in season three or four or whatever. But I don't don't see that for a a character like this. I think we've got a few candidates for who's chasing her, too, because obviously we have S.H.I.E.L.D., which goes after powered people for their own reasons. We have Hydra, who also has an interest in powered people. But in this episode, Mom makes it clear that being humans have very strict rules. And I think that uh, Reyna, back when she was quote-unquote pretty, learned to manipulate men. And I think now she's manipulating Gordon, who would be her ticket out of afterlife. So it could even be the Inhumans that will be hunting her. It could be, and no matter how they go with it, I mean, I, we're going to see it. But the, the, yeah, the, this is a good question, though. Where where will it come from, and what does it mean? I mean, we know she's going to get out now. That's the thing. They're telling her she can't leave. They're not giving her a choice because she has to live life differently. And so the the question then becomes: How does she get out? How does she get out? Well, it's got to have something to do with Gordon. Because that's the only way people can leave that area, unless there's yeah, some way that she's able to, you know, connect with Cal. And I, I don't see that happening. And even if they did, I don't see how they would be able to get away, get away. So then we do have the training stuff. That was that was kind of fun. Standard, standard superhero. You know, first uses of power and. And that the difference being she's being taught by a woman that we know it's her mom. Her mom knows she's her mom, but Sky doesn't know. And and that's the one thing is in those scenes where it's kind of standard, the dialogue has a lot of double meaning as she's, you know, she says something like, um, oh, where'd that go? I think I lost it. I did. I lost my note there. Oh, no. She's tell me about yourself and tell me about you know, it, let me get to know you. And we know the double meaning that's going on there. The uh, revelation scene, though, uh, yeah, it was it was mediocre to me. Uh, it felt kind of soap opera-y. And, and if they hadn't gone to the final two lines here before the commercial break, I would have been forgiving of the soap opera-ness, but then it just went full on soap opera where mom says, deep down, I think you knew. And then Sky says, I was too afraid to hope. 
admitting that deep down she she knew. And that just feels kind of, Why not just let it be a complete surprise? I've got a moment with Sky 2. What's that? Which is, with her powers, I feel like they're trying to come up with a logical explanation of it. Mm-hmm. So they're doing the whole vibration thing. Everything vibrates. You're able to hear the vibrations, be able to control the vibrations. Yeah. And to me, when, I, when I've heard them do this talk here, and I believe two episodes ago, it's really felt like DC's vibe to me, who's actually on the Flash, not oh. <laughs> Quake. Because cause with Quake, you've never really gotten an explanation that's tied to a scientific explanation, and definitely nothing that I've ever seen about vibration. It's always been that seismic uh, power. But again, I, I feel like they're, they're struggling to give us an explanation that we as fans will find reasonable. And, you know, I'm a hot mess of a fan. I don't need a crazy explanation. Yeah, but that's um, the way they go with it, scientific or reasonable. They do that in the, in the MCU, but I don't though. need it. I know you don't need it, but that's the way they do the MCU. It's science. It's science. The magic is just science. You know, I mean, this I, is I what they did with Thor. Your, that's the basis for Thor. I just wish if you were, were going to MCU it, that it would be something that didn't feel DC to me. Yeah, because again, we've talked about MCUing it a lot. I know we've got to MCU it and the explanation. But again, it, it just feels too much like vibe and not a, enough like Quake. By the way, I'm not spoiling anything when I say this because I won't give any specifics, but there's some interesting MCUing it in Daredevil that I can't wait to talk. I've already left my voicemail about it. I can't wait to talk about it when they MCU some things that. It's it's yeah, go ahead. Humble brag. I'm not humble bragging. I'm just saying I can't wait. I can't wait. It'll be so much fun to talk about the MCUing of things. Yeah, you're gonna wait, buddy. That's my. Wait. I I I may have spoiled too much by putting it in plural. But okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, there's another piece that I wanted to talk to. Oh, Sky, again, another character piece here. Yes. Whenever she begins to feel comfortable somewhere, it falls apart. And it's true. We've seen it be true for her. Poor girl. Poor, And I'll be honest, I kind of am expecting afterlife to fall apart after this dinner. Because it feels like a family. And I'm with you. We already know the inhumans have rules and things are gonna fall apart. And her her only place that's ever felt like a family before when shield was shield. I think, you know, Phil's gonna have to come in and help out. What I could almost see happening is because that's you know, Lincoln comes in and realizes it wasn't a dream. And I, I can't remember, I don't think Lincoln knows that, uh, no, Lincoln doesn't know that mom is Sky's mom. Well, but again, I don't think Raina said she sat there with her mom and dad. I, no. I think Raina said, made the comment that she had her dinner with her dad, and there were daisies. There were daisies, she was with her dad, and she looked really happy. 
those were the three elements yeah. from the dream. And Lincoln is looking at the scene, and he doesn't see um, he, he doesn't see Mom's face. And even if he did, uh, and I, what I'm, I'm saying the the scene that we are given that's meant to imply that this is kind of like what Raina saw, you know, because Lincoln knows she's in there, but Lincoln doesn't see her face. So I, I'm feeling like we're given this point of view perspective to see kind of what Raina saw in her dream. And so she's not seeing mom's face, but even if she saw mom's face, I don't think she would know it's Sky's mom. She knows who it is, but I don't think she knows that it's Sky's mom in particular. And so, well, and I think what this is where I think Lincoln could, is, might start putting some pieces together though. And well, and I think it's potential tip off for us is who does he tell that she's clairvoyant to? Is it going to be Gordon or is it going to be mom? Or is it going to be just to Raina? Exactly. So there's some, there's some places they can go with this, but I, yeah, I don't think afterlife is going to come through this unscathed. Um, we've seen the show. We know the show. And if you're going to show us something happy and clean and bright, it's not going to stay that way. For example, no, Mike no, Peterson and his relationship with his son. You know, it just, we, we've seen this show. We know it's, it's going to go south. Or north. I, I mean, we don't know where they are exactly on the map. So it, it could go either way. So, okay. Now we go to Melinda's. Well, wait, did we talk about, we, we didn't really talk about mom's feelings about uh, the little girl too much. No, we did not. Do we need to? I mean, this is, this is the one that they lost that caused them to set up a bunch of these rules. And so only seven years ago that these strict rules have been in place and then the other thing is it's only been what 20 some years that mom has been dedicated to helping at least that's no because she did it before then but she said you know i scour the globe for you couldn't find you and so i decided to dedicate changed her my life to helping people but it seems like she was doing that I'm trying to remember the timeline back. Yeah. With Gordon. She was helping Gordon. Mm hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe it has only been that long. Because was all the, was all that stuff when she got caught? Was that like an 88? Yep. Well, and again, key, key phrase here. After Calvin pieced her back together again, Ah, yes. This is an answer we had talked about yesterday, uh, last week, a question we had last week. Yeah, so so Whitehall probably did dissect her, to be blunt, and Calvin did something to put her body back together. The, the explanation of the scars has something to mm-hmm. do with, my guess, her power and what Cal- whatever Calvin did to reassemble Mom Frankenstein. Yeah, and I... Uh... I get the feeling that it probably was something as much as, as simple as taking these pieces, arranging them, and letting them kind of reach out and stitch back together. And it, it's something that uh, 
you know, in the Marvel universe where you have the Greek gods who are immortal, um, as opposed to the, the Asgardians who are not, but the, the Greek gods are meant to be immortal. And so like Hercules, you could defeat him if you scatter his ashes, you know, throughout space or something like that. So that they, the particles never come together again, but you know, he, they will eventually come back together possibly. Uh, but this happens with Deadpool uh, and Wolverine too. Uh, Deadpool is a great, well, not a great Deadpool, a good Deadpool story in which all his pieces from that, from parts of him that were cut off and regenerated actually come together and regenerate themselves, creating a new evil Deadpool. I know you might think that's an oxymoron. Yeah. The less said, probably the better right now for me. But, um, yeah. So I I get the impression that that's what it was, is that Cal was taking her, what's left of her, bringing it together, letting it stitch together. And over time, she was dead, but he was able to nurse her back to life um, based based on this idea of what she just said. And then he made a promise. He made a promise, and that promise is to you know have vengeance, which was stolen from him. So he was not having vengeance for his dead wife. He knew she was alive. Knew she was alive the whole time. It wasn't a surprise to him to find out she was alive. He was just wanting to get vengeance for what the man did, harming his his wife. Which, in a yeah, pretty was, brutal. Was a life. really horrible thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a really horrible thing. So I can I can live with that. It, I I'm good with the with this the way that they've they've presented it to us. But I was a little confused before. So finally, we have the present day stuff with Melinda May. And basically, her story is very simple. Uh, she is she has some interaction with Bobby about Colson, and she's finding out that Colson has been moving tons of resources, getting bunk beds and stuff like that. What do you need bunk beds for? People to sleep in maybe powered people. Maybe he's setting up some sort of place to put them where he can train them. And I'm, I'm having flashbacks to the, the 50 States initiative type of situation that came out of civil war. Um, you, you know, you know what I'm having flashbacks to? No. And again, I know we're not really in commentary. Do you remember all these rumors when Avengers uh, age of Ultron, started filming about an Avengers Academy. Yes. That's that the thing that immediately came to my mind is, you know, I remember there were all, all this chatter about this and, and I still don't necessarily think something's going to happen from that, but it was the first thing that really kind of popped in like, Oh, maybe, maybe there is something to some of these rumors. It was the photos, the set photos that people said had trip with, uh, Shield recruits that got people talking about that, and who knows what that was from, or what it is. I'm, it was a dis- long distance photo, and I don't know. Anyway, um, so with Mo- no, it's not a trip. What? It could be. We know it's not a trip. No, we don't know that. Well, no hope. 
I have hope. And without hope, it's nothing. So Take your hope, buddy. <laughs> so what happens is Melinda finds out that Colson has been doing this under the radar. No one knew he was doing this. Um, he had Simmons working on Deathlock technology without her knowing it. So she actually gave him a super-powered battery, thinking it was for something completely different. Uh, he was moving alarming amounts of resources, is the way that it, they say it. They give Melinda the base, though. She gets the base because she's on board with Pointy Shield. And so that means that when Coulson calls in, uh, she gets to make the call. You know, when, when Coulson reveals himself to them, she gets to make, make the call. And... Really, there's not much more that goes on with this other than we find out Fitz has been tailed. Um, we find out that uh, that Bobby thinks Colson's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. We find out that Bobby isn't lying when she's talking about her motivation for what she's wanting to do. We find out Colson's been consulting with Andrew for a while, and. Again, like I said, they think he might be building training centers to build a powered person army, something like that. Well, and, and Colson's been keeping Linda out in the dark. And to be honest, he's got more resources and money than we've got before. Um, he's, they make the comment he's been building, he's been spending money, he, all these missions that we saw at the beginning of the season, many of them were covers. He's been working on something big that makes you think that there's more resources than in his pocket than what we originally thought. And by the way, Bobby, he's a director of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's allowed to have secrets. Yeah. Hey, girl, let the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) be secretive. Now, our tag scene goes along with this plot line, and we get two guys waiting outside a bathroom needing to use the bathroom uh but what are they maybe they're the people tailing fits we don't know but they knock on the door we find out fits is the guy who's in the bathroom and he's unlocked he's unlocked the toolbox and so he's standing in the bathroom doing the whole you know holographic screens and moving them around and everything and he gets a hold of hunter through colson's tablet and contacts them and says, I would like to come and hang out with you guys because this whole being tailed thing kind of stinks. And maybe you can show me how to shake a tail here. And then we get a great line from Hunter, which is, you're in a bathroom, right? Does it have one of those electric hand dryers? You're going to be just You'll fine. Be- <laughs> yeah. And you want to say, what is that hand dryer got, buddy? We're and never going to see it, though. We're oh, not going to awesome. see it. <laughs> hey, they let us see him open up the toolbox in a bathroom. Yeah, I but mean, we're not going to see what he has to do with the electric hairdryer that he can shake the tail. <sighs> hey, how about Fitz being smart enough to figure out he's got a tail? Yeah, this is Fitz having spent a year uh, a year and some change in the field with, with Colson and with these other people who are really good at field work. This That's is cute. ward. Not this nice. is some award training for him. Some some of the some of the training from Agent Grant Ward. It's coming back. So 
not a lot uh, as far as mm, actual like plot that you know action happening, but a lot of meaty stuff going on and and, and pushing things forward as far as relationships and and uh, the conflict between Pointy Shield and and Round Shield. So. Uh, anything more to talk about? It seemed like there was something else that I wanted to mention about, about Bobby. Oh, she has a great line where she's talking to May and they ask about the Theta protocol and they ask about Deathlock. And then later on, Bobby says, I saw your reaction when we asked about that. You didn't know, did you? You didn't know about the Theta protocol. You didn't know that Deathlock was involved. And then she says, that gut punch you're feeling right now is how we've been feeling for months as they've been learning new things about what Coulson has been up to. And that was a, that was a good moment to give Bobby a legitimate, a legitimate um, motivation for, for why she's with, with Pointy Shield. So I, I, I liked that element that came out and I feeling, I'm feeling better about Bobby because Bobby's, we've said this before, these people in pointy shield believe they're doing the right thing for the right reasons. They may be wrong, even though they're not right, but they believe that they're on the right track and doing the right thing. But but the thing is, is it'll make it easier to bring somebody like Bobby back into the fold. Yes. Yes. Somebody like Max back into the fold. He can be that best friend again. He could. He could. You know, this is a situation where they could easily rebuild the relationships that have been broken and not feel like it's just a, like if, if, like going back to Ward, I don't see Ward earning back it's his place. Mass right. It's now, mass I'm, I'm seeing people on Twitter talking about how they want Ward back in. They want to get him back in. They want him to be, you know, to, to go through the redemptive process. And I believe in redemption. I believe that there can be forgiveness for even some of the worst possible egregious actions. But at the same time, there's natural consequences. And one is, you know, I'm never going to trust someone again who murdered my best friends and coworkers. That's just not going to be, that's not going to happen. I will do my they best to forgive. They don't get a house sit. What'd you say? They don't get a house sit and look after your dog. Yeah. So, man, oh. Bobby, though, and Mac, and Gonzalez, and all of them, easily, easily could get back in into good if not completely trusting relationships positive relationships that you know working relationships uh you know because they got to take out hydra that's the thing hydra is behind the scenes now they're doing they're rebuilding you know that they are cut off one head two more grow back colson cut off like eight they're gonna be 16 growing back <laughs> that's 
that's my math for this episode. Math was not hard just now. So any other final thoughts here then, Daniel? So I feel like the last three or four episodes have just been hit after hit after hit. And I do feel that tonight's episode had some nice character stuff, especially in the main area. Some hints at this theta thing. I'm interested. I am just worried that it's going to become a setup for Age of Ultron. Um, again, it just didn't feel as strong as the last two or three. It's good, just not as incredible. That, that's really those last few episodes have just been incredible. And this was good, but not incredible. And you're, you, what you're saying, I agree with, and what makes it doubly sad for me is not just that we've had these super strong episodes in the last few with this episode it's not quite as strong it was solid but not quite as strong but for an episode that should be as momentous as this is where we find out what happened with melinda there should have been more emotional i don't i don't know And, and maybe it's because we don't get too much of Melinda in the present dealing with Melinda from the past. That past stuff was not backstory for Melinda's present. As far as this episode goes, it was for her character in general, but not as far as this episode and her actions in this episode, so much as it was background for Sky's mom. So I, I like the episode. Don't get me wrong. Um, this this falls on the side of, you know, am I going to put this on the good or the evil side? Well, this will be on the good side of the scales, uh, where most episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. go, for me, is, is they're hits. I like them. And if I had to watch it again, you know, because it's the only thing on TV, I'm not going to complain. You know, we get to see Melinda kick some serious butt and and get hurt. Get sh- oh, she continues fighting. Even as she's been shot in the leg, <laughs> I mean that's good. She's incredible. Yeah, but at the same, might have been a place for her with the Avengers initiative. You know, she was already in Shield, though. She was already in Shield. She, 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 she's not Black Widow, but she's super close. So, should we move on to our uh, field reports? Let's do it. Shield Field Report. Okay, Daniel, we've got some feedback. Um, the recorded feedback that we have, we have two pieces of recorded feedback we're not going to be able to do today because of the, the current audio setup with the phone. Um, because all the special effects and sound effects and everything like that, you can't hear. So we're not oh, going to... Oh, that'd be bad. <laughs> and you want to hear it because one of our feedbacks... Well... It could we could end up with two of these next week, but uh, you know what? I, I'm willing to take that risk, and two of the those audio feedbacks will be just fine. But um, yeah, so right now we're just going to do the the written feedback that we've gotten. And again, now this is where I should have gotten a glass of water because you don't have these in front of you, which means I'm going to be reading them, <laughs> uh, all <laughs> of them, them anyway. with no no uh, break, but. The first one comes from Agent Jessica, and she says, Hi, guys. wanted to comment on the Afterlife episode, specifically on the big reveal of Sky's mom being alive. I think when I saw her in the doorway, my exact reaction was, What? How? What? 
or something to that effect. I don't think Sky made the best impression to her mom when, since she was threatening to kill Reyna. I don't think she would have done it, by the way. I wonder if uh, Jaying thought that Sky was a little too much like her dad at that point. It'd be interesting to see how long it will take for Sky to find out that Jaying is her mom. Now well, we got our answer this episode, didn't we, Daniel? <laughs> Back oh, to Jessica. Yeah. Anyway, I have been thinking about the whole issue with Cal's vendetta against Whitehall and why he would be bent on revenge if he knew his wife was actually alive. Jed Whedon retweeted what someone said about Cal telling Whitehall that he would be reunited in the afterlife, referring to his family in the episode The Things We Bury. I had forgotten about that but thought it was clever. And there it is. She then sent a screenshot of the tweet from someone that said, Wait, didn't Cal tell Whitehall he'd be reunited with his family in the afterlife? I see what you did there. Hashtag Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Retweeted by Jed Whedon. Oh, man. High five. Anyway, that whole thing made me think that perhaps his whole revenge kick was not about his wife being dead, but more the results of what Whitehall had done. His daughter was taken by S.H.I.E.L.D., and I'm guessing that Gordon or the elders had a hand in taking Jaying back to the afterlife or wherever they had been hiding and transitioning other descendants. By the way, how did they get to the afterlife before Gordon, or did Gordon discover it and they built it up after he transitioned? Gordon transitioned in 1983, and Whitehall captures Jaying for the second time in 1989, Daniel, we were just talking about these dates, weren't we? She was helping people in 1983 before Sky was born, before Sky was taken. All right. Thank you very she much. She was a transitioner. She was Lincoln. Yeah. Thank you, Agent Jessica, about that. Uh, you didn't know you were answering us, but you did. So thank you. Uh, anyway, I don't know if Cal was not welcome to be with them because maybe the elders partially blamed him for what happened to Jiang since he was not one of them, or if his self-enhancements led to them kicking him out. But it seems like they didn't want him there. I think that finding the Diviner, the Kree Temple, and Sky were all part of his plan to get back to the afterlife. He knew that they would find out when Sky changed, so Cal knew if he got his daughter back, it would also be his way back to his wife. Maybe Cheyenne can't leave the afterlife, or maybe she didn't want to leave after what happened, but it seemed like the only way Cal would be able to do his whole family, or able to be with his whole family, is if they let him in the afterlife. I'm still confused about the relationship between him and Cheyenne, but I am sure they will enlighten us about more about that soon. What do you guys think? Stopping there, we didn't talk about that much, but... I was thinking about that the whole time they're sitting there for dinner. I'm thinking, what is mom thinking listening to Cal? Does she like him? Because she's not acting like she doesn't like him. She's smiling. She's being courteous. She's very much humoring him. Yeah. I mean, she's, it, she's again, she calls this dinner a reward for him because he never gave up. But, you know, she's feeding into his desires to have that meal. I to think have that it she's more wanted. I, I think it's more enabling. She, she, <laughs> uh, I think she at least loves the man he once was. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Back to Agent Jessica. Lincoln seems like a fun character, although I found myself annoyed that he kept assuming Sky knew what was going on, even after she kept telling him he she didn't. I think he said a variation of "I thought you knew" about four different times, and acted equally surprised each time. She'd been with Shield, who doesn't know anything about them. And then the two days she had been there, she was unconscious, which he knew. So I don't know why he thinks she would know anything. Does he know that Jiang is her mom? If so, maybe that's why he thought she would know. I was really excited to see Deathlock again. It was a great surprise, although I accidentally got spoiled by Twitter. I also really enjoyed the banter between Hunter and Coulson this episode. And I'm really liking that some of the Coulson wit we love has been coming back. Did they get those playing cards from Loki? 
That is totally what I thought of when I saw it was a hologram. <laughs> As for the Ward thing, I'm actually kind of glad Coulson's going to try to work with him. I still don't trust him all the way, but I actually do think he cares about what happens to Sky enough to want to help. It will definitely be interesting to see where they go with it. Fitzsimmons is back. At least it feels more like they, how it used to feel between them. I figured Simmons had to be up to something as soon as Fitz looked at what Simmons was working on. And I'm really happy that she is sticking by Colson and the team. I love the sandwich throwback. I am wondering what will happen if Pointy Shield finds out what she did, though. I think Bobby might be the one to figure it out first, being the one who knows Simmons the best. So maybe she will end up covering for Simmons somehow. I'm still liking Bobby a lot, even though she is with Pointy Shield. I still think Bobby is doubting that they did the right thing and will keep defending Skye and Coulson, so that will be interesting to see where that goes, especially now that she knows Hunter is working with Coulson. I could probably say a ton more about this episode, but I will wrap it up by saying that I am really enjoying the show a lot, especially the last couple of episodes. I think the acting and special effects have been especially good, and the script has been great, even with the cheesy puns. I'm having a harder time picking my top five episodes because I know there are so many strong ones, which is a good problem to have, I think. I just wish the Inhumans movie was coming sooner because I am actually really excited about it now. I can't wait to see how the show ties in with Age of Ultron and where we'll end up by the end of the season. Thanks, as always, for the podcast, Agent Jessica. You're going to say something? I uh, totally forgot what it was going to be. Okay. All right. Uh, Agent Jersey Jim wrote in, and subject line was Gonzalez's hypocrisy. Gentlemen, first I have to say thanks for the great job with the podcast. Look forward to it every week. Second, I feel the need to address Commander Adama's, sorry, I mean Agent Gonzalez's blatant hypocrisy. He has directed his anger slash attention on Coulson and Skye because of their alien connection. He says things like, they are compromised. They should be part of the index because of their exposure. At times, he even refers to them as things. Several times to Bobby, May, and even Hunter, he has said words to the effect of, can you guarantee there is no chance that somehow they are not being controlled or influenced by this exposure? He wants Coulson and Sky on the index. Well then, Chief, what about Mac? He was compromised. He was under an alien influence. Why is he not worried about him? Why is Mac not on the index? Can he guarantee that Mac won't someday have his eyes glass over to dark black and try to kill everyone? How can Mac be trusted? Don't get me started on Mac. He tells Bobby, yeah, Coulson was a good man, just a compromised one. Well, take a look in the mirror, buddy. (laughs) What about Hawkeye? Wasn't he under Loki's influence? And Selvig? Should they be on the index too? Are they a threat? For that matter, let's just put all the Avengers on the index. Let's just forget their role in the Battle of New York. Let's just forget that Coulson almost single-handedly took down what was left of Hydra. I think Coulson's idea of the Index and Gonzalez's idea of the Index are two different things. Coulson sees it as a tool to help people with powers, to help them adjust and cope, while Gonzalez sees it as a way to identify threats that need to be addressed. More in line with Agent Calderon's shoot-first policy like he did with Sky. Gonzalez talks about not wanting secrets, Isn't he hiding a boat full of Quinjets? Isn't he sending people to lie, keep secrets, and gather info? (laughs) This leads me to the conclusion that while he may give lip service to these ideas when it suits his purposes, he has no problems with them. I even think the offer to May this week was more of a keep-your-enemies-closer kind of thing than a legitimate offer. He is up to something. He is not what he seems, and I, for one, can't wait to see Coulson take him down. Agent, Amen. Agent Jersey Jim. Well, and let's be honest. Um, 
Agent Gonzalez, he's got a long history of Cylon uh, influence. And uh, clearly, you know, first officer who's a, a Cylon. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. Whoa. Dude, it's really long. Spoilers. Sorry. Oh, oh, man. I, I'm, you know. Agent Daniel. Never mind, never mind. I mean, 10 year old spoilers, but still. It's not even talking about Harley. Again, right there. Alien influences on Agent Gonzalez. Yeah. I the one thing I hope they don't do with Agent Gonzalez is that we find out he's Hydra. I mean we've we've played that rodeo before. Yeah, I don't want him to be Hydra either. I, mean, I, I do want him to be a a well meaning but completely wrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. By the way, I, I, this is an awesome email, so I, I thank you for that. Um, let's see. Oh no, that's uh, let's see. Subject Pepita C needs feedbacks. Help from Pepita. Good day, my inquisitor. It's me, Pepita. I found your profile via Facebook. I was excited. You're cute. I don't think that that's really. Feedback. I'm totally confused. Yeah. Okay. Next email from Agent Kurt. (laughs) Subject, the quality of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and its world building. Howdy, gentlemen. Agent Kurt from the UK here again. So I'm glad I gave him that nice southern howdy, gentlemen. Agent Kurt from the UK here again to discuss some good old Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wanted to comment on how good Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is at this current point in time. Like you guys, I've watched the show from the beginning when it was getting a less than positive reception. And even after many had given up on the show, I stuck with it and saw it grow into the great show that it is today. The last few episodes, Love in the Time of Hydra, One Door Closes, and Afterlife, have been some of my favorites so far because it really draws previous material from Season 1 like Fitz's Awesome Sandwich made by Simmons, the return of Ann Weaver as part of Fake Shield, or the badass return of Mike Peterson recently. It shows that people behind the show are fully aware of the world they've crafted and are finding smart ways to tie things together and make them relevant rather than feeling forced. And these connections and tie-ins are made that much sweeter because you remember these characters from their origins in Season 1 and you're getting some great payoff. Now I'm just waiting to see if we'll see Ian Quinn again and finally Graviton because that's the only missing piece from last season that I think really needs to make an appearance. I'd love to hear your thoughts on my opinions and whether they hold some value or not. Agent Kurt out. A, do they hold value or not? Well, yeah. I mean, you've got a pretty well thought out opinion here and even if it wasn't really well thought out, it would still hold hold value. But um, yeah, we've been... we've kind of touched on this a little bit in this episode too there's things that they, they gave us callbacks to and touching back to these things uh from season one and you know i just had a conversation with some people who they still are on the the agents shield hate wagon um because unearned forced plot twists but i don't agree i don't agree one bit um i i believe that we earned those plot twists and those of us who are still watching are getting some things that are really rich. So yeah, your, your opinions totally hold value. Totally. Agent Kurt. I agree. 
Next, we have Agent Chaponis. Hey, Agent Chaponis is back. Subject, Afterlife. Greetings, welcome to Level 7 Podcast. Agent Chaponis here, and man, was this a good episode. The Peterson reveal was really cool. The Inhumans were neat. But by far, the best storyline was Fitzsimmons. Fitz is my favorite character. And it was nice to finally see Fitz and Simmons manage to communicate to each other while keeping secrets from professional spies. I nearly cried tears of joy when I saw that sandwich. But that is not why I'm emailing you. You already know this episode is great. But what you may not have known is that Sky is dead. <laughs> think very what what think very carefully about the title of this episode. Why is Afterlife so untouched? Why is Gordon the only one who can go in and out? And more importantly, why is Sky's dead mother there? I believe that Afterlife is really Afterlife. Did we not hear Doctor Dad say something to the effect of his end goal being killing himself and Sky so they could all be together in the Afterlife? Porcupine was very close to killing herself. Sky was close to death as well. What with all the pointy shield agents, or as I like to call them, shield agents, because we know, we all know they are not intelligent. Oh, shelled agents. <laughs> he spelled it S H E L D. He left out the I for intelligence. So, or as I like to call them, shelled agents, because we all know they are not intelligent. All right. Sorry, Chaponis. I had to think about that one. But once I did, I got it and appreciate it. Um, so what with all the pointy shield agents around her? The line, no one will hurt you. Of course they won't. You're already dead. <laughs> now, before I sign off, I must alert you to a plot hole. I'm Sky. I just found out someone I know is here. A not good person who has killed people may try to kill me. So rather than waiting inside for Gordon to take her to the overworld... She goes to this porcupine's house. You don't know what her powers are. All you know is she has killed people before and she doesn't like you. You can also assume she doesn't know where you are or even if you are in afterlife. So you reveal your location to her. Why? Tell Lincoln what she did. She could have done that from home. There was no reason to visit the porcupine. A small plot hole in what is otherwise a fantastic episode. Thank you for the podcast. No, I have an, I have an explanation for that. All right. So... My belief is this guy still sees herself, identifies herself as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And so I think she thought she was doing the responsible thing by seeking out a threat and attempting to neutralize it. I think that she does not like Raina and does not like what Raina stands for. And so, you know, she, Raina associated with Garrett, Raina associated with Cal, Raina associated with Ward. She's someone that, yeah, legitimately, there's some issues between the two of them that Sky wants to neutralize, get rid of this person who's really an evil person. I think that's, I, I think responsibility or duty is definitely in, in the running for her motivations. As for her being dead, your theory holds weight. Do you have facts that back up your theory? I'm I'm not on board with the theory itself, though. But I also not on the, on board. However, I like it because everything you said totally makes sense. There is absolutely nothing in what you said that doesn't fit what we've been presented with before this episode. This episode, I, I, we'd have to think about it a little more. But Chaponis, let us know. Let us know if if this episode changes your theory or not. 
But yeah, that's a nice, good, funky theory, man. Uh, Agent Lestew. Subject, getting caught up. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episode 13 through 16. And Daredevil, uh, Season 1, Episode 1. I'm going to go ahead and read this and not save. I thought I might have to save part of it for a Daredevil episode, but there's nothing in here that we have to worry about with that. It's pretty vague. Nothing more than what we've already talked about. Hey, guys. I finally caught up with the last few episodes of Marvel's Agents of Curvy Shield and, of course, the dose of podcast genius that is your show. Plus, I'm slowly making my way through Daredevil. Yes, we do have an embarrassment of riches. Take that, DC. I wanted to bring something up that I am honestly surprised no one mentioned. Now, it could be that I'm in a unique geographical location, but Manitowoc, Wisconsin, is located about an hour from me. I'm about an hour or so from Lake Michigan, one of the greatest lakes on the planet. Son of Cole is an Avenger. Coulson is from Manitowoc. Coulson is a Great Lakes Avenger. (laughs) Squirrel Girl agrees. She's got a crush on him, too. Secondly and lastly, Joss is all about misdirection, wash, serenity, say no more. If I were a betting man, I'd bet that there will, in fact, be an end credit sequence and that it will be packed full of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I have no real basis for this other than my gut feeling, but there are a few things, but there are a few things I would actually bet money on, and that's one of them. There are a few things that I would bet actual money on, and that's one of them. All right, guys, thanks for the great podcast. Love the show. Lestu from the UPA. P.S. Big Bertha keeps telling me to tell you guys to try a pasty. So, yeah, I guess try a pasty. P.P.S. Now all us youpers laugh as you mispronounce pasty and say paste. I'm, did I say it wrong? Pasty? Mm-hmm. Pasty. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds like regional wording, perhaps. Yeah, sounds like we're getting mocked, and we don't even know what we're getting mocked for. Here's my question. Are you... Oh, you've already told everybody you're waiting until the end. I'm taking the risk, too. What? I'm waiting until the end. To the end of what? Of uh, Age of Ultron. I'm going to sit through that whole thing. Oh, I do it anyway. That's just the way I do life. You do it anyway. I I do that. I did that for Interstellar. I knew there wasn't going to be a post-credit sequence. I like to sit through the credits, listen to the music, you know, and Get your collect, collect my thoughts, you know. There you go. Oh, Agent Jessica writes in again, subject, afterlife. I wanted to add a PS to my last email. I do agree with you, Ben, that the last couple episodes we have seen something closer to the Phil Coulson of season one, which I am really happy about. When I said in the past that I would like to see more humor, I don't mean that I haven't been enjoying the darker episodes because this season has been awesome. I just don't want them to lose the humor since that is one of the things I really loved about the show in season one. It feels like the last few episodes have brought some of that back despite being intense or serious themed. So I'm hoping they can find a way to keep the balance there. Honestly, I will keep watching regardless, but I do enjoy the cheese, Coulson. Also, I'm sure you'll discuss this in the news, but what do you think about the spin-off rumors? If they are true, I'm hoping it doesn't mean they're going to send some of our main team to the other series. Main team being Fitz, Simmons, May, Sky, Coulson, and maybe even Bobby. I could see them doing something with Gonzalez and Pointy Shield, possibly. Lastly, I can't wait to see the backstory on May this week, finally, and how it plays into May's feelings towards Sky and Coulson, assuming it will. It looks like this episode will be intense from the previews and from what little we know about what happened to May. Talk to you guys later. Agent Jessica. 
Daniel, we haven't talked about the spinoff news. Have we? I thought we did. We <laughs> In our last episode. Did we? We couldn't wait. I'm pretty sure we talked about the spinoff news in our comic book episode. That's which right, which would have come out before this email. That episode exactly. came out the evening this email came to us. Okay, so... so here's a dirty little secret. If you don't, you usually listen to our MCU tie-in comic book episode. You need to go listen to that one for our views on the spinoff. Especially, well, and just, that sound you just heard was not a silenced bullet. It was a sneeze, which may be biological. Um, yeah, the, the news portion of that. And I, I'm convinced that it won't be a S.H.I.E.L.D. series. I'm convinced it'll be a hero series, kind of to go along with Flash, to, to give a more fun, more fun. Yeah, because we talked about how it was going to be Great Lakes Avengers. I remember that now. Yeah. Don't spoil it. Well, I already did. You spoiled Battlestar Galactica. I spoiled our episode 90 of Welcome to Level 7. But one's more recent. Yeah, yeah. And that that episode didn't get posted until yesterday because I didn't think we'd be recording this episode until Thursday. But here we are recording it right now, and we're done. So I want to thank everyone for listening. And just thank you for all this awesome feedback. I mean, this is so much fun. You guys make this fun. The show also makes it fun. Daniel. You make it fun, but you, listener, right now, with your earbuds in your ear holes or with your car radio on or with your whatever on your head or near your face, whatever, you are making this fun. And so I want to thank you directly for listening. So Godspeed and thanks for listening. Daniel, you have any uh, final words then? You know, I'm just looking here at this case file, and I think that we may be a little too involved in the current situation that we have agents in the field for. All I can really say, if I'm going to give feedback, is stay out of it, Sparkplug. Thank you for listening to Welcome to Level 7. We'd love for you to join the conversation. You can leave us a voicemail at one seventy seven fifty five the word level, and then the number 7. That's one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level 7. 7 is spelled out. Follow us on Twitter where we are level7pod. 7 is spelled out. Or email us directly, feedback at welcome to level 7com 7 is spelled out. Visit our website, welcome to level 7com for news, reviews, and links to our RSS feeds. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, jsearls.bandcamp.com. And again, thanks for listening. Hey, Daniel, uh, a couple episodes ago, you talked about a movie that you thought was an MCU movie and no one can see the air quotes or scare quotes or whatever people call them, but I'm doing them really close to the microphone to make it easier to see. Um, no, those are so clear. Yeah, you, Cinderella, you were talking about being part of the MCU, but I watched a movie recently that is far closer to being an MCU movie. You know what it is? Okay, what is it? Birdman. 
Ooh, I want to see it. Birdman, you need to see it. You need to see it. And I've considered, I don't know, I want to see it again. I've considered actually sitting down and watching Batman, Batman Returns, and then this uh, as kind of, because this is kind of meta commentary on superhero movies in general. But you have Michael Keaton playing a washed up actor who is well known for playing Birdman in three movies based on the Birdman comic book or whatever. But what makes hey, it Michael M- Keaton's not washed up? He's not, but he plays a washed What? He's Ken, man, in Toy Story. But you know, he's not washed up, but he plays someone who is washed up. He plays a meta commentary on actors who do the superhero thing but then want to do serious drama and you also have then edward norton in there so we have marvel and dc mixed into that but you have edward norton bruce banner from the incredible hulk he plays edward norton uh i can't imagine edward norton in real life being less like his character in this movie um, it just seems like things that I know about him. Um, but it's meta commentary on Hollywood and art and being an artist and being true and being honest. And there is a scene toward the end that just, it makes it far more MCU than your little Cinderella movie. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, but, I, okay, I don't. I, my little Cinderella movie was the number one movie in America for like two months. Yeah, but I Birdman mean, was an Oscar contender. It might have even won. And if I had paid attention or prepared before recording, I would know if it won or not. But 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 Cinderella is giving Disney the opportunity to turn Ming Na's classic Mulan into a live action movie. And let's just say right now, if she doesn't get a role, well, that wouldn't be meta. No, it wouldn't be, but does it need to be meta? Uh, she totally needs to get a role. I, I agree, but um, the Birdman thing, though, it's – if you like MCU movies, if you like those kind of movies, but then you also like thought-provoking actor-ish movies. I mean, this is a movie for actors by uh, – with, with a script, rather, that – is definitely feels more like a stage play than a, a motion picture. Uh, there's monologues and there's there's meta commentary. There's um, storylines that reflect other storylines and dialogue that shows up on stage as they're doing theater and then shows up in real life and different things like that. It's 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 a mind bending movie. I call it Daniel Fight Club. Meets Galaxy Quest, only Ooh. dark. That's that's my twist on 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 the the logline for that movie. So, I recommend it. There's some harsh language. There is um, harsher than say Daredevil, <laughs> but uh, I was going to say I think I probably have to watch Daredevil before I watch Birdman. Yeah, definitely because we're not going to record an episode about Birdman. But we're going to record at least 13 episodes about Daredevil, possibly 15 if we do a up front and a back end, but at least 13 episodes. So don't get yourself, don't get ahead of yourself, Chief. 
I'm I'm expecting more of a wrap up than than a, a, a lead up because especially if we start during the summer, there's no reason to lead up to it. All right. Well, that's that Birdman MCU movie, and you'll find out why if you watch the whole thing. And it's not just Edward Norton. I'm I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Ooh, that seems to be smashing. With it. Sorry, I have to go join the specialists. What? I got to go join the specialists here in the field. Oh, okay. We seem to be having some action. All right. Ooh, almost forgot. Welcome to Level 7 as a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows like Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, and Under the Dome, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Resurrection, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, Learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx.